The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Time for TV and streaming with Joe Shane, Elaine Burkle. An important question to both of you to start. On Friday's programme, we discovered from lots of listeners that the time they put up the Christmas tree and decorations is to coincide with the Late Late Toy Show. So, important question to both of you, starting with you, Elaine. Do you put up your Christmas tree and your decorations to coincide with the Late Late Toy Show? I don't. I'm kind of a stickler for it must be December. Okay, and what about you, Joe? Point early. Exactly. Exactly the same. There's no way. It's normally around the 7th of December, but there's no way to put up Christmas tree in November. That's just crazy. You're going to now incur the wrath of lots of our listeners who were sending in their photographs last Friday of their trees fully decorated and all the others who were saying it had to be done in advance of Friday's debut for Patrick Keelty as presenter of the Late Late Toy Show. Let's hear a little bit of the promo RT is running. What is the toy show? It's the most magical night of the year. You wouldn't want to miss it. There's singing, there's dancing, and you play with toys. So it's really important? It's a very big job. How big? The official start of Christmas. My mommy puts me to bed and then she wakes me up when it's time for the toy show. So if they sing and dance and they play with the toys, what do I do? You have to ask questions, see what they're about. This is great. You need to be chatty and you need to kind of be interesting. I need to be fun. Yeah! I need to be interesting. Yeah! I need to be funny. Yeah! You can do this, Patrick! Yes, Patrick, you can do this! And let us just emphasise that as a promo for the Late Late Toy Show, not for Toy Show the Musical. (laughs) Setting a Harry Bar there, Joe, isn't he? Don't doubt he has the ability as a performer and an entertainer to do it. But is there a danger for Patrick Keelty that you create a sense of expectation that he's going to be as good as and better than Ryan Trubbity and then it could go wrong for him? Um, I think it's, it's, he, it, this is his comfort zone. I think he's shown that he's kind of he's very kind of drawn towards the light entertainment side of things, the stunty kind of things, the dressing up box side of things. I think it's going to be right up his street. What struck me was in the build up to it and and the quotes and the interviews he's done. If you closed your eyes and didn't know it was Patrick Keelty, you think it was Ryan Tuberty because he was talking about the exact same things Ryan Tuberty talks about every year. The office is locked. They won't tell me what's going on. I'm presenting it, but I don't know what's happening. Everybody's driving me crazy for tickets. I have my phone turned off. I'm being annoyed everywhere for tickets. And talking about the costumes and, you know, saying, well, I want to have fun, but I know how important it is to all the kids. So, in a way, Patrick Keelty absolutely 100% gets it to the point where he's basically saying the exact same things that Ryan Tuberty used to say every year. Elaine, the Late Late has been cut back to 90 minutes. I wonder, they're not going to cut the Late Late Toy Show back to 90 minutes, are they? Oh my God, they better not. I I literally was out on a night out last year and came home to watch the toy show and I don't even have kids I just love that show so much it's great fun I think he's going to be great I'm really looking forward to his interpretation of it and just seeing by that trailer where the kids were kind of really put front and centre that's the joy of the toy show and I really want to see that happen Yeah what is it that you like most because I certainly remember as a child watching it and I think even watching it with my children as an adult I used to always think show us more of the toys and less of the singing and dancing of children. 
Oh, and it is nice to see the singing and dancing. My niece was actually one of the singers and dancers one year. Um, so, and it's a nice showcase of like these young people. Like they get really excited to do it and to be part of the toy show. And you can see that all over their faces. It's just really joyful. And it's really cheerful, really nice. A really nice way to set up the Christmas season because it is such a show of joy and centering on children and childhood joy and bringing us all back to a bit of nostalgia in that kind of way as well. Jack here nice. texts in to say, sorry, one second, Joe, when Gayburn presented yeah. the toy show, it was always in December, exactly two weeks before Christmas. So could it be, Elaine, just before I go to Joe, that it's too early. November is too early, just like it's too early to put up the Christmas tree. I think the reason why they have to do that these years is because there was this kind of period where it became really hard to get the in-demand toys that would be showcased on the toy show. And that put a lot of pressure on parents, on uh, delivery systems, on all sorts. So I think that's actually why it was pushed out. It's actually part of our um, horrible commercial um, situation that we have going on. Joe. Yeah, it was just one thing. Um, I think he's very, Keelty's very based in, in UK TV. He's very literate in UK TV. And you made an interesting point about it used to be about that every year it's less toys, more kids, more dance routines, more heart, heart-rending stories. And I, I think we're going to see less toys than ever this year. I think it's going to be very slick. I going to think, I think it's going to be very focused on kids, on the stories of kids, on song and dance. I think it's, it's definitely going to be possibly the most professionally and targeted show. Sorry, are you, are you describing Toy Show the Musical to us? Yeah, I think, I think actually, I think we are going to see Toy Show the Musical and it won't cost as much, you know, especially especially if, you have, if you're one of the many people who hasn't paid their TV licence so far this year. Okay, listener here says there was a recent study that shows that people who put up their decorations earlier are happier. <laughs> and another one, Colm says, there's only one answer to the great tea, Christmas tree dilemma. Put up the first Christmas tree for the night of the toy show and decorate the room which your TV is in then you do the second and third trees and the full decorations of the rest of the house on the 1st of December says Colm who was two or three trees in a house? <laughs> Somebody wants to show like the, off <laughs> It sounds like the wedding situation where people do day two and day three now everyone's lost yeah. their mind <laughs> <laughs> All right, okay. Speaking of losing their minds, a lot of the British media seems to have lost its collective mind over The Crown, the Netflix series, which has gone into a sixth series, uh, which they regard as an absolute insult to the royal family because of how it imagines things around the death of Princess Diana. Uh, I've watched the first two episodes of series six. I think you've watched the same. The clip that we have, spoiler alert, Princess Diana dies. Uh, this is a clip, though, in which, as she watches TV coverage of the crowds gathering outside Buckingham Palace following Diana's death, Queen Elizabeth, played by Imelda Staunton, is visited by guess who? Diana's ghost. I hope you're happy now. You finally succeeded in turning me and this house upside down. That was never my intention. Oh, please. Look at what you've started. It's nothing less than revolution. I didn't need to be. But by making an enemy of me. Not of me personally, but of what I stand for. And it starts to look like one. Trying to show you who they are, what they feel, what they need. And I know that must be terrifying, but it needn't be. 
long as anyone can remember, you've taught us what it means to be British. Maybe it's time to show you're ready to learn too. A ghost show? Do they do pottery as well? It's <laughs> it, Matt. Oh my God! And do you know when she appears as as ghost Diana to Prince Charles in a private jet, she she appears by going ta-da. She literally says ta-da and appears as ghost Diana. I was looking at it, going, oh my God! I mean, the rumours were true. They have got a ghost Diana in this. It's it's uh, the Guardian. Uh, the, the the lady, the, the the woman writing the Guardian said it was so bad it was basically an out of body experience, and it does feel like that. Okay, because what? Elaine, I watched the first two episodes of the new series last night which were ghost free and I thought they were actually quite good it looks spectacular the way it's filmed the, the storyline it was maybe a little bit dull compared to the history of what happened but it was grand TV viewing and a few things thrown in which may not have been factually accurate but they certainly maybe upped the, the tempo of the whole thing what did you make of it? Well I watched specifically the Ghost Diana episode because I, I was very curious to see the Gugga Ghost but she's not like this isn't a Scooby-Doo supernatural twist for the crown. It's a very common TV trope to have people deal with a trauma, reason it out, having an imaginary conversation with a person that has passed and that's what's happening here. It's not like they react as if they're seeing a ghost. They're having a conversation. She's saying things that they're processing in their heads. Like it's not it's not really Ghost Diana, and I'm kind of sad it wasn't. I was looking for something a bit campier, to be honest. <laughs> uh, one listener says in relation to uh, in this, who haven't given out to me for a spoiler alert, just watch, <laughs> arriving home to watch that last episode. Look, you know what happens. There's been loads of publicity about what they've done in relation to ghosts. It still doesn't mean you can't enjoy it. And the same listener says, I have to say, the attention to detail from the costuming and prop department is yeah. top-notch. It's unbelievable, but what it looks like now, you see, when the, the Crown started off, it was dealing with this huge history and historical facts and events and moments, and it had that weight, and it was such prestige TV, but now it just looks like they they gave a Hall, Hallmark movie the greatest budget in history, because it does look wonderful, and the Saint-Tropez stuff from around the yacht, and, and you know, swimming around in the crystal blue waters, it looks amazing, but it's just, the writing is so unbelievably bad, it's it's just hard, it's it's, it's hard to Get to get involved because you're thinking, oh my God, this is terrible. Okay, let's okay. move on. Let's move What's on. Also What's terrible also terrible is that Nigel Farage on I'm a Celebrity. I watched Elaine about 20 minutes of this last night and 20 minutes I'll never get back. The only consolation perhaps is, could Nigel Farage turn into a political Alan Partridge the more he's exposed on this programme? Oh God, wouldn't that just be a nightmare for all of us? And it, like, it could happen. He's going around in these kind of Portillo-like looks around the outback doing these challenges. And he's, of course, he's the first up for a bush trucker challenge because of course the public wants to see Nigel Fresh suffer. This is just Matt Hancock all over again. He'll last to the very end so that people can see him go through these bush trucker trials. But he's probably going to win over some hearts and minds while he does it. Yeah, do you think though is there a sufficient budget on I'm a Celebrity? Has he taken it all with apparently a one and a half million pound fee, Joe? The only other celebrity perhaps is oh we're after losing Joe apparently. Elaine, could it be though Jamie Lynn Spears is the only other celebrity as such? The rest of them, well, to an Irish audience anyway, are non entities. Yeah, she's more of a sister of a celebrity, really. And now she's really interesting because I feel like she could 
could be a ticket to draw an international audience to the format because Britney's memoir is just out, would mention stories about Jamie Lynn and Britney's really hot property at the moment and her sister tangentially being related to that might reveal some stories as well herself. So I, I can see a lot of Britney fans uh, and Jamie Lynn haters actually tuning in to see how she gets on. Um, and then apart from that, yeah, I mean, I would be familiar with Grace Dent and there's... Uh, a YouTuber who, again, probably trying to court a different audience. Um, and Josie Gibson from This Morning. I actually think she came across really, really well in that first episode. And I think she could be on track to to move really far ahead in the competition. She was a real, like, she gave it her all. She tried her best. Fred Sierra is another one who might do really, really well. He's probably one of the better known faces on it as well, being from First Dates. Um, but it was, it was a really funny scene where Josie Gibson is basically trying to explain to Jamie Lynn Spears who everyone is. Um, because Jamie Lynn Spears obviously doesn't have a clue who any of these people are. Okay, listen, Joe, pick of the week, please, for us. Yeah, um, I think Squid Game, the challenge, which is basically, you know, that massive, massive, phenomenal Korean uh, drama about dangerous games. Uh, it's the, it's starting on Wednesday on Netflix. And this is the sort of the real life version, the reality show version. If people know Squid Game, you've got a hundred people, you put them, or more than a hundred people, you put them in a, in a, in a life or death series of games and see who survives this looks amazing if you look at the trailer it's like they actually built the squid game universe and and put people real life people inside it and it looks like people inside a video game it's incredible visually it's incredible and part of the of the joy i think in it is that people the the doors open and they realize oh my god i'm in squid game this is it and the reaction of people is, is unbelievable i think the squid game the challenge is starting on wednesday night on netflix i think it's unmissable tv you sold it to me anyway and elaine your pick of the week is based on one of my favorite interviewees here in studio over the last year I'm not surprised because he has quite a story. Uh, Ronnie O'Sullivan, The Edge of Everything, is a feature documentary that's coming out in cinemas tomorrow, but will be on Prime Video as early as Thursday. Um, and it's it's a documentary looking at Ronnie O'Sullivan's life and career. He was a child prodigy in snooker, is arguably the best player of all time in snooker. And actually, it uh, portrays some of the story last year when he was about to kind of, you know, gained that title with seven world championship wins in his uh, final against Joe Trump. But it looks back on a lot of his um, struggles as well. He's had struggles with addiction. His father, Ronnie O'Sullivan uh, Sr., has been convicted for murder and went to jail for uh, much of uh, Ronnie's life. He has an interesting take on sports psychology as well with this relationship he has with Dr. Steve Peters, uh, who's worked with a lot of sports people as well, but I'd be more familiar with them from Ronnie O'Sullivan. And I just feel like snooker in general is this intensely personal sport. Like even though your opponent may make a move your moves are all pretty much on you and your mistakes are your own mistakes and I, I feel like that takes a toll on people and even Ronnie actually pulled out of the champion of championships uh, champion of champions tournament this that ended last weekend because of his mental health so it's a really really interesting look at a very intense sportsman Elaine Burke Joshe thank you the last word with Matt Cooper weekdays from 4 30 today